do unto others as you would have others do unto you. The Golden Rule. When you schedule a financial checkup with Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our people will be helpful and honest and kind. They will look for ways to save you money, and when your checkup is complete, they will send $150 to Redeemer Radio. For more info, visit NotreDameFCU.com elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Angel DiCarlo, John Brock with you here as we get you set for Notre Dame and Clemson at 4 p.m. in the ACC Championship game. Well, a new member of the NBC broadcast team for Notre Dame this year was Tony Dungy, and he is our special guest on Focus on Faith this week. Of course, led the Colts to a Super Bowl win over the Bears 14 years ago. First black head coach to ever win a Super Bowl. Won a Super Bowl as a player with the Steelers. Enter the Pro Hall. Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2016. He's an extraordinary man of faith. We talk Notre Dame Clemson, Ian Book, Trevor Lawrence, Super Bowls, and how his Steelers coach Chuck Knoll played a massive role in Tony rediscovering his faith and shaping the rest of his life as a player, coach, and man. Here's Focus on Faith with Tony Dungy. Well, Coach, thank you very much for joining us. First of all, how much fun has it been for you this year to be broadcasting Notre Dame football with Mike Tirico? Uh, it's been great on a lot of counts. Uh, number one, it's really got me closer to college football, and, and that's been fantastic, learning the, uh, about the college game and everything that goes on. Uh, I hadn't spent a lot of time at Notre Dame, and that's been awesome, too, getting to know some of their players and coaches and the Notre Dame fans. I, I found out that once you start broadcasting, you become part of the family, so uh, <laughs> that, that feels pretty good. And then to have them have such a special year, it's been great. And, and I have to say, Mike Tirico is just fantastic. He's the best. I'm still learning the, the broadcasting element of things, and he's helped me so much. So uh, it's been great in a lot of ways. And then in particular, great year, but you also got to be a part of one of the greatest college football games that there ever will be in the regular season, especially between Notre Dame and Clemson. What was it like uh, to be – the, you know, the co-voice of that game. It's funny. Mike and I were talking before the game, and you know how Notre Dame, uh, uh, they, they do a great job in the stadium of presenting all kinds of highlights and things before the game. So we're listening to all these iconic calls mm -hmm. from the past 40 or 50 years, and it's the great broadcasters of all time, you know, Brent Musburger and Keith Jackson. And I remember saying to Mike, 20 years from now, people are going to be listening and saying, that was us calling this. And it just was kind of a surreal atmosphere. The only thing missing, it would have been great with 70,000 fans there. Right. Uh, that that I felt badly that more people didn't get to experience it live because it was such a thrill watching it. Remember the back and forth and big plays here and there and just saying, wow, this has to be fun watching it on TV, unless you're rooting for one of these teams. And then you're kind of dying with every, every play that goes. Yeah. The legendary Tony Dungy, Super Bowl champion, coach for the Indianapolis Colts, now broadcaster for NBC, joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. This is our Focus on Faith interview. Coach, you've always been known as a sports figure with an incredible faith. Did that? Where did that start? Was that you know, instilled in you as a child from your parents? Where, where did that start and how did it grow for you as you grew older? It really did start with my mom and dad. Uh, I, I guess I could go back even further than that. My grandfather, my, my dad's father, was a, a Baptist minister. 
and he had two sons who were also ministers. So I had a grandfather and two uncles. Uh, we were in church a lot. My mom taught Sunday school class. So on Thursdays, she would practice with us. She'd do the <laughs> lesson. And if it made a, a good reaction with us, then she felt good about it for Sunday. So I learned all the biblical stories. I learned about Christ when I was very young. But like so many boys, I got into sports and uh, both my parents were teachers. So going to class and getting good grades was what they wanted me to do. Uh, being in, in athletics was what I wanted to do. So Jesus kind of took a, a back seat for a while. Uh, and all the way through, I would say through high school and college, I was uh, what you would say, maybe a good person, but my faith wasn't out front. And then uh, I ended up having the, the opportunity to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Chuck Noll was the coach there. They're in the middle of that four Super Bowl run. And uh, I got there and Coach Noll says, don't make football your whole life. You've got to broaden your horizons. Think about what you're going to do after you get finished playing. And then we just had a great group of Christian athletes on that team. Uh, Donnie Shell became my roommate, one of the strongest Christians I've ever been around. John Stallworth, Mel Blunt, player after player after player got me involved in the Bible studies and in the chapel service and reading. And that's when I really started growing as a Christian when I was 21 years old. Did you use those lessons from Coach Knoll then when you became a coach? Absolutely. Uh, I can remember my first talk ever to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when I took over in 1996. And I basically said the same thing Coach Knoll said. Hey, man, we're here to win a Super Bowl. I'm here to help you be the best player you can be. But if that's all you focus on, if that's your entire life, you're going to leave this game of football at one point, and you're going to leave it disappointed. So I want to help you uh, be a better person. I want to help you grow as a man. I want to help you make Tampa a better place to live. And fortunately, we had a lot of guys on that team who bought into that. And some of those young men, just special, you know, work done. Uh, homes for homeless, I mean, for single moms. And Derek Brooks uh, taking a group of uh, Boys and Girls Club kids and watching them go all the way through middle school and high school and seeing them go on to college and being their mentors. Uh, I, I, I'm just proud of our guys who, who really took that on and said, you know what, we want to be more than just Super Bowl winners. We want to be more than just football players. Uh, life is more important than that. And you've been blessed with this platform as a player and as a coach. Does that come with a responsibility in your mind, Coach, to, to spread that faith and, and spread that love of God? I believe it, it really does. And I, as you say, blessed is the right word. Uh, not very many people get to be coaches in the NFL. Not very many people get to be head coaches. And I had that opportunity for 13 years, and it was a great life. But it also allowed me to do some things and say some things and be part of it. I, I could have national press conferences when, when I could say what was on my mind. And I'm still in that position now uh, as a Notre Dame broadcaster, as an NBC broadcaster, when people talk this summer about, hey, what's going on in our country? What's going on with social injustice? Uh, what's going on with this pandemic? And I can say, hey, the Lord's trying to get our attention, and I, I've got an audience. And, and so I, I do think that comes with a responsibility. And then, you know, you and your wife have raised 10 kids, seven of which you've adopted. Take, tell us why adoption was so important to, to you and your wife. 
You know, my wife uh, comes from a, a large family. Her parents adopted children. Uh, they fostered children. And so it was always something she wanted to do. Uh, we got down to Tampa. Uh, as I mentioned, 1996, I'm the head coach. I'm in my 40s. We've got three older kids. And uh, one of our assistant coaches wanted to adopt. So we had to fill out a reference form for him and meet with the uh, lady at the adoption agency. She was doing a background check on, on Coach Marciano. And we got to talking to her, and she told us that they actually had a shortage of adoptive parents in Tampa at that time. That was 2000. And she said, especially for African-American children. She said she worked in an agency where they counseled women not to have abortions, and they promised them that if they carried their babies to term, they would find Christian homes for them. And she said, right now we have a shortage. We've got a backlog of African-American babies. And I was shocked at that time because all you hear right. is, well, it takes years and people are going overseas to adopt. And I said, are you serious? And she said, yes, right here in Tampa, we need adoptive parents. And so my wife and I, you know, very strongly pro-life. And my wife had done a lot of work at, at crisis, crisis pregnancy centers and things like that. And we we're saying, you mean to tell me that women are making that choice to have their babies and go forward with life and we're not providing homes for them and she said that's exactly what i'm telling you so that that perked our consciousness and we ended up adopting a little boy in 2000 he was one day old when we got him and he was so special and so many things happened in his life we just knew that it was god that put it together so we came back to her a year later and said, we're ready to do it again. And then two years later, we said, we're ready to do it again. So now I'm almost in my 50s. We've got six kids and I'm thinking we're, we're ready to go. And that's enough. I, as the Lord does it, I get moved up to Indianapolis and I, I take the head coaching job with the Colts. One of our boys is in middle school playing football. And my wife is sitting just watching a game next to a gentleman that has a son playing. And at halftime, she talked and said, what, what do you do? You know, my husband coaches. That's why we're here. He said, well, I'm an adoption attorney. <laughs> and lo and behold, uh, God put us with another group in Indianapolis. We we're able to adopt more boys up there. And uh, it just one thing led to another. And now we have uh, a house full of kids still. I'm in my 60s now. and we've got <laughs> Tony Dungy, our guest here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Coach, you mentioned being in Indianapolis with the Colts. Obviously, we have plenty of Colts fans listening. We also have probably plenty of Bears fans listening. Uh, take us back to that <laughs> that wonderful evening back uh, 13 years ago when you guys won the Super Bowl and how, how special that was for you. You know, that was a, a great moment, too. And um, it just there were a lot of fibers to that story. I uh, started out in, in Tampa, and I really thought the Lord had taken my wife and I there. That was the place we were going to be. We were there six years. It was beautiful. I ended up getting fired uh, because we didn't win enough games or didn't go far enough in the playoffs. But it was all part of God's plan. And we end up in Indianapolis, and we're kind of inching away, getting to, to the, towards the Super Bowl, can't quite get there, can't beat the Patriots. And after six years, we finally do. And, and we're there, and not only are we there, but we're playing against the Bears and Lovey Smith. And Lovey started on my first staff in Tampa. We were in 
uh, coaches Bible studies together. We had the same thoughts of how to build a team and build men. And that was a special part of that week uh, for me as well. A lot of times you'll have this animosity back and forth. I have the teams chirping at each other. But that week it was nothing but respect and doing things the right way. And so many people talking about the way the Bears were built and the way we were built. And we got to point people to the Lord. In fact, Lovey and I got to do a piece that ended up in USA Today and it was called Beyond the Ultimate. And if you think the Super Bowl is the ultimate, we can talk to you about what's beyond that and faith and eternal life. And so that was that was neat. And then add to the fact that we were the two first two African-American coaches to get there and kind of breaking down that barrier. So after the game, we, we won and we're on the victory podium and Jim Nance from CBS asked me about being the first African-American head coach to win. And I was able to say, Jim, it is fantastic. Love and I were proud to represent African-American coaches, but it's even more special. Two Christian coaches, the way we coach and giving honor to the Lord and letting people see that you could be a Christian and get to the highest level of NFL football uh, and still do it the Lord's way. So it was a really, really special night. All right, let's talk uh, some Notre Dame football. Obviously, it's been a, a special season, as you mentioned earlier. And, and speaking of championships, Irish fans have hopes of, of potentially winning a national championship this year. W- what has impressed you most about this year's Notre Dame football team as you've watched them? I think I've really enjoyed the unity that this team has, the togetherness, and just the, the will to battle, battle through pandemic issues and, and COVID issues injuries, uh, whatever has has taken place, uh, they haven't let anything get in their way. And I I guess me being a defensive coach, I've really loved watching this defense evolve. A lot of really great individual players who've come together as a unit. And in the the games where they've had to step up, uh, make those game-changing plays, they've been able to do it. So uh, I'm really a big fan of Clark Lee, and I'm, I'm happy in a way that he's going to get to move on and go to Vanderbilt because I think he is going to take the same thing that we're talking about. He's going to develop young men into quality people as well as quality players. But I'm sad that Notre Dame's going to be losing a great defensive coach. What does it say about his character, though, that he is sticking around? He's like, no, I'm still coaching. They get the national championship. I'm going to be there. And because, well, quite frankly, Brian Kelly didn't stick around at Cincinnati for their bowl game. I mean, I know it wasn't a national championship. But what does it say about Clark Lee, and, and how can that project to him being a great head coach? His, his feeling for his players is very special. And they're on a mission. They're on a journey. And I knew that he was not going to leave them before the journey is over. Uh, that's just who, who he is. Uh, one of the things that really impressed me, Mike Tirico, the very first broadcast we did, he, Mike took me around on a walk around campus and showed me different things. And we came back to the broadcast booth and he's showing me where to set up. And as we were there, Coach Lee is coming in with about 40 players into the middle of the field and they get in a circle and they pray. And he told me that they do that every single week because he wants them to put first things first. And that's when I said, wow, that that's the kind of coach you want your son playing for. And uh, it just, it, it doesn't surprise me that a lot of people would want coach Lee. And it really doesn't surprise me that he would say, yes, I'm going to Vanderbilt, but I'm not going until our journey is finished here. 
And then congratulations, Clark. You get the job at Vanderbilt. You know, you're sticking around, and now you get to face Clemson with Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> um, yes, what a, what a, a consolation prize. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what, how much bigger of a challenge do you feel like this will be for Notre Dame's defense with, with Trevor Lawrence playing this time around? You know, I don't think it's going to be that much different, really. Trevor Lawrence is a great player, but DJ Uyangalale uh, played fantastic that night. And that, that Clemson team had a lot of confidence in him. There wasn't much in their offense that they said, hey, we can't do this because Trevor's not here. We saw them pull out the whole arsenal. They scored 40 points. So I, I think we saw nearly the best of what Clemson can be. Now, the difference is in a, a championship game like this, obviously the experience of Trevor Lawrence, he's not going to wilt under pressure. He's going to maybe be able to take them to a different level. But I think Notre Dame will be ready schematically for anything that Clemson can can bring to them. On the other side of the ball, Ian Book has taken his game to a new level, and it started with that final drive against Clemson, really, and, and it hasn't stopped. Are you surprised, maybe, at the way he kind of – it seems like he flipped a switch, and it hasn't turned off. I, I think what has happened with Ian Book, he has realized that, uh, yeah, I'm the leader of this team, and I'm not just the conductor. Yeah, I, I, My job is to get the ball to the playmakers and do the right thing. But there are going to be times when to win the game, I'm going to have to step forward. And I think that's what he's realized since that drive at Clemson. Hey, I, I fumbled the ball going in, and I feel like I owe my team something. And I just might have to make some special plays on this last drive to win it. And he did that. And I think that had told him, now when we get into big moments, uh, this team is counting on me. I need to deliver. And he's, he's been fantastic. I, I have to say this. I, I really haven't been surprised because watching the tape from last year and watching him early in the season, I saw that ability to do that. And I just think Ian's nature is I want to help everybody else be better. I want to make sure this guy gets the ball. I want to make sure our runners get the ball. I want to do what I'm supposed to do as the quarterback. And I think Tommy Reese and Coach Kelly have had to say, all that's good, Ian, but there's times when we need you to do it and we expect you to do it. And uh, and that that's where he is now. He believes that if they need a play, he can make it. All right, I'll put you on the spot, Coach. What do you think happens in this one? What's your prediction of, uh, of how Notre Dame Clemson Part 2 goes? I, I think it's going to be a similar type of game. These offenses are fantastic. They can make big plays. I think Notre Dame has a better defense than Clemson does. Now, Clemson was missing, I think, four of their defensive regulars in that first game. If they're back, that will that will help them tremendously. I think it might be a little lower scoring. It might not be a 40-point game on either side. But I said it that night. I said, these teams play 10 times. One team's going to win six, and the other team's going to win four, or one team's going to win five. They're that evenly matched. So I'm hoping this isn't the, the time that Clemson flips it over and they win it by three points. It could happen that way. It, these teams are so evenly matched. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see another overtime game. Coach, thank you very much. All righty. Great to be with you, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in these next few weeks. <laughs> Sounds good. The great Tony Dungy joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Thanks to him. John, what were your uh, thoughts on what Coach had to say? Well, I'll keep it short here. I know we're a little <laughs> bit behind, but – I mean, I grew up here in Indiana, and, and I started watching football right at the time that Peyton Manning and Tony Dungy were winning that Super Bowl with the Colts. 
And watching that is not only a great football mind in Tony Dungy, but also just a great role model to grow up watching in the football world. Someone who just leads a life the right way. They, they're succeeding on the field, and that's obviously led by their faith and their integrity on and off the field. And so just love hearing all of his insights. And then, of course, love hearing all of his insights uh, in life, but also uh, watching and, and for me, mostly rewatching Notre Dame games this season, uh, getting to hear him uh, commentate on those and just like having him around and, and really some great things. Always listen to Tony Dungy. Great guy. Are you feeling sandwiched between caring for aging parents while still raising children? If so, join me, Chris Godfrey, every Monday afternoon at 1230 for my new show, The Sandwich Generation. Every week I'll have conversations with experts and friends on this important calling. Being sandwiched is a great opportunity for growing on our friendship with God. So tune in for good advice and inspiration every Monday afternoon at 1230 or listen anytime at RedeemerRadio.com slash sandwich.